Good morning, church. Happy Palm Sunday. We're going to play another video for you, but this is a special one. So just direct your attention to the screens and enjoy. All right, everybody. Come on, put those hands together. Woo! Come on, come on. Hey! God, we give you praise. God, we give you glory. Oh, that's it. Come on. Woo! Hey! All right, here we go. The angels bow down at the thought of you. The darkness gives way to the light for you. Hey! The price that you pay gives us light. Hosanna, Hosanna, forever we worship you. Hosanna, forever we worship you. The angels bow down at the thought of you. The darkness gives way to the light. The price that you pay, price that you pay gives us light. Hosanna, Hosanna, forever we worship you. Hosanna, forever we worship you. For you are the joy that my soul is born. The land I was made for my sins and the one I adore. King of kings, ruler of lights on you guys can stand put your hands together the kids are gonna bring the palms in Hosanna turn the house lights on can stand forever and ever and ever Hosanna. come on guys stand up everybody stand up put your hands together Sunday, Hosanna. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for coming and rescuing us. We are so grateful. We celebrate you this morning, Jesus, your coming, your kingship, your kingdom that you have brought. And we celebrate you 
everything that you stand for, the work that you have done, God, we are grateful and just invite our hearts to praise this morning, to celebrate you. Amen. Let's worship. I'll declare this by faith, but if there's joy in the house of the Lord today, let's show it. Amen. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. Because he opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds a victory. Yeah. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, 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 we shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung up on that cross. And he rose up from that grave, my God, still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. Shout out to praise. We were the beggars, but now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Sing this out. We were the beggars, but now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, but now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, 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 we shout out your praise. 
Amen. Hear this call to worship from Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 11. It says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free you, free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Amen. Amen. This is the prophecy that was fulfilled by Jesus when he entered on the day, Palm Sunday. I just want to read this to you because I've, we're going to sing a lot about Hosanna today. You've already heard two songs about it. There's more to come. But I want us to think about what we're saying and really know what it means. It says here that the people who were celebrating Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem were quoting Psalm 118, 25 through 26. It says, save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because the phrase, save us, we pray, in Hebrew, sounds like Hosanna. So it doesn't just mean praise. It means save us. It, in fact, it says it's commonly translated, save us, please. So when we sing Hosanna, we are celebrating the saving of God, that he, he has saved us. But also asking him, Lord, don't let go. <laughs> Keep saving us. Keep saving me. Because we need him every day. Amen. Whether you're here with us singing Hosanna today or if you're at home singing with us in spirit, I just hope that you'll give your heart to God and let that praise ring out. Turn to you. Returning to you 
we turn to you. In your kingdom, broken lives are made new. You make us new. Because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away, washed away. Hosanna, Hosanna, you are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna.
Never. Give you a little break. We'll, we'll give you, we'll vary up the terms a little bit, some synonyms here. <laughs> I know you guys know this song. It's an old song and I love it. So just join in.
creation suddenly articulate with a thousand tongues to lift one cry and then from north to south and east to west we'd hear christ be magnified Were the whole earth echoing his eminence, his name would burst from sea and sky, from rivers to the mountaintops. We'd hear Christ be magnified. This part is easy. Sing it with us. Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. creature finds its inmost melody and every human heart made it cry then in one enraptured hymn we'll sing Christ be magnified be magnified Oh, Christ be magnified, let his praise arise, Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life, Christ be magnified in me. Let your praise arise, 
Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified. Let this praise arise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified on the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. Amen. Amen. Be magnified in us this morning. You can be seated. What a transition going from the bridge of that song to um, just a moment of, of quiet and reflection. And as I sing that song, I get really, um, I don't know, feelings start to swell up inside me. And I think one of the things that I wonder is, what does it mean for us to ask Christ to be magnified in our lives? And I just wonder, can we sing those words, the, the bridge of that song, like, I would like to sing it again, but can we sing those words and really mean it, that what if for Christ to be magnified, it means something uncomfortable and difficult for us? How easy is it for us to say, Christ be magnified, but don't let it be too hard? Christ be magnified, but don't ask me to be patient with you. Christ be magnified until everything starts to go wrong, and then I want to go back. I think it's really easy for us to sing Christ be magnified, but really deep down, only if it means what we think it means. And that is the irony of which we come to talk about today of Palm Sunday the beginning of Holy Week. Hosanna, only if it's saving us the way we say save us, right? Praise you, Hosanna, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord, but he's only blessed if he comes the way we expected and does what we want him to do. This is the challenge for us this morning, that we would indeed be able to stand there and sing, Christ be magnified, you can have everything, and when it gets really hard, I'm going to look up and I'm going to continue to press on and praise and trust and believe and live as if these words I sing are true, because I know when I go through difficult times, you will be there too. And so we can then sing Christ be magnified when things are great, when everything's going well, when life is going as planned, when things are easy. But may we be able to sing Christ be magnified as everything falls apart. I think that's the invitation for us as we enter into a time of prayer this morning. So as you prepare to continue worshiping God through prayer and through reflection. As you bow your heads and as you close your eyes, as you maybe come to the altar, if you feel compelled, the invitation this morning is to 
bless and praise the name of the Lord, whether this is your best day or your worst. So God, we come before you this morning. God, I know that that some of us, maybe many of us, are singing these words by faith. We want them to be true. We sing the, the Christian songs. We sing the songs of praise, even if we wrestle to believe these words in our hearts, because deep down we want these things to be true. We want to be followers of Christ who believe that God is good and that God is working things out for our good always. We want to be the followers of Christ who, when we breathe in and breathe out, we trust that that is the Spirit of God filling us and going from us. And it's really easy to be those people and to believe these things when everything is going well. But the reality is, we're quick to wonder to question, and to doubt, and to worry, to fill ourselves with fear and anxiety the moment things don't go the way we planned. And so God, this morning my heart feels compelled to invite you into that reality and into that tension which exists in many of us today. God, I invite you to to. Make yourself known to us, both those who are here in this place and those who are watching from home who are going through their own trials and difficulties. God, may you fill our hearts. May you make yourself known to us in this moment here, in this place. as we long to be people who sing Christ be magnified and mean those words. God, we pray this morning that you would draw near and make yourself known to those who are dealing with sickness. God, there is so much sickness going on in the life of our church right now, and we just lift each and every one of those up to you today. God, we pray for healing. We cry out for for healing, God, for for rest, for, for weary bodies to be touched and made whole. God, we pray this morning. We we stand beside our brothers and sisters and we lift them up to you and we pray that their weary souls could receive rest. God, we pray for those who maybe aren't dealing with a physical illness, but who are just dealing with significant stresses, the the kind that we face every day in this life. It's different for everyone, God, but, but I am sure that there are people here who are just carrying the weight of their world on their shoulders who just feel like it's one thing after another and 
and this is just getting too hard and this load is too heavy and it just causes us to spiral. God, we pray for those. We pray for those who are just dealing with different stresses of life today. God, would you just draw near to them? Would you make yourself known to them in such a powerful way, God, that they would be able to lean on you, that, that Jesus, we would take you at your word and that we would bring our burdens and bring and carry them before you and lay them down before you because you long to carry them. And in exchange of these heavy burdens, you offer us a release. You offer us a place of, of rest where we can find peace even if, even if things might feel a little overwhelming. Even if we don't know how we're going to make ends meet. Even if we don't have that big looming life decision figured out whatever it may be, Lord Jesus, we come to you and we pray for your peace, for your strength, so that as we face the, the difficulties of life, that we can face them knowing that you are with us, that you hear us, and that you carry these burdens with us. And God, may we at any moment be able to look around and see all of the people who are walking beside us. God, may that be an encouragement. May that, may that bless us this morning to know that we don't face the, the stresses of life, the overwhelming burdens of life. We don't face those alone. Lord Jesus, on this Palm Sunday, we open up our hearts and our whole selves to you. As we open up your word, God, I pray that, that your word would bring life to our souls this morning, that it would nourish us, that it would fill us and sustain us. But God, I also give you permission to disrupt. I give you permission. I hope we all give you permission to, to disrupt what, what may be in our hearts. Holy Spirit, would you right now, would you anoint these words? Would you prepare our hearts to hear the message it is that you want us to hear from you today on this day? Would you be the one whose words are true in our hearts. Guide us, teach us, correct us, help us. Jesus, as we seek to follow you, even to the cross. We love you, God. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that in moments when we fail to acknowledge your goodness and your mercy in our lives, that you don't hide yourself from us, that you just continue to make yourself known. And you help us to, to get back up and to put one foot in front of the other. We thank you, God, and we, we praise your holy name.
for being such a good God. And so it's in Jesus' name that we carry these things before you. And as we pray these things, it's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed kind of something that I hope will be a new tradition, having our children uh, bring the palms in on Palm Sunday. You know, I told you, I think it was six weeks ago almost, on Ash Wednesday, that one of these days we're going to do it, we're going to get there, and these palms are the first step in that direction. So as we go throughout the rest of the year, as we kind of go back, go about our regular everyday lives, and as we come to, to Ash Wednesday into the season of Lent next year, you're going to see these palms again. They're going to be in a much different form. It's going to be maybe new and a little bit foreign to some of us, but, but these palms aren't going anywhere. They're going to continue to play a part in our story. And so I hope that you enjoyed that this morning. It's good to have our kids with us. I know they don't always feel that way because they would much rather be downstairs having fun, but it's good to have them with us. And, and kids, I hope as you open up yourselves to this really fun story, I hope that the Lord will speak to your hearts as well. And I've been praying that he would, and I trust that he would speak to you. As we are here on Palm Sunday, it's the sixth and final Sunday of the season of Lent. It's the start, the beginning of Holy Week, which I don't know how many of you really kind of sit in that reality, but Holy Week is a sacred week. It is a sacred week that is really rich with meaning if you think about it and if you kind of linger there a little bit longer. But it's also interesting because as I was reading um, the passage for today and as I'm thinking about the events of Holy Week and, and preparing for Easter, I had the temptation to do this really weird and bizarre thing that I do, and I wonder if anyone else does this too. It's really weird. Okay, it's just like something that my mind does before I even realize it. Like it gets ahead of me. Have you ever been watching a show, a familiar show that you've seen before? Like, am I the only one that watches the same shows over and over again? They bring me comfort and joy. And why, why start anything else when I know that these shows are going to bring me comfort and joy? And, and so I just watch them over and over again. But have you ever been watching a show on repeat or you're watching a movie that you've seen before? And even though you know what's going to happen and you know that nothing is going to change, they haven't remade this movie since the last time you saw it with a different ending, have you ever been watching it and you're like, ooh, what if they did this? Maybe it'll end differently. Have you ever done that or am I the only insane? Some of you are looking at me like, are you serious? <laughs> do you actually do that? That's weird. <laughs> but sometimes I'll be watching a familiar show or a familiar movie and I'll be wondering to myself, like, could it end differently? Wouldn't that be crazy <laughs> if it just ends differently? What if they decide to do something different? I just do that sometimes. I don't know if you can relate to that, but Holy Week can kind of give us that same sort of weird feeling. As you're reading the same stories over and over that you've read so many times, maybe you read them and you just wonder, what if it ended differently? What if, what, what if this person had done this? How would it have been different? What if that person would have done that? How would it have been different? And it's like, we know what's coming 
And we know that it's going to happen. It already has happened. But in that moment, we still wonder like, well, maybe, does it have to be this way? Why does it have to be this way? And why do I have to kind of face this reality over and over and over again? Palm Sunday is the start of Holy Week where we are going to, hopefully you're invited to sit in the story of Jesus and to just linger there a little bit longer, even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's facing those same tragic realities again and again. And so this morning we're going to read, I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able, and we're going to read from Matthew chapter 21. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11. It says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred, and they asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I'm going to tell you that it is a serious challenge to come to Holy Week or to Palm Sunday every single year and and somehow try to make this passage new and fresh. It is a challenge, and I kind of agonized this week as I was desperately trying to find something new to grab from this passage to share with you all. Spoiler alert, I didn't really. And so it's just going to be the same familiar passage and, and I hope that I'm not like letting you down from the beginning, but I just need you to know that, that the, 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 the temptation was there for me to, to think like, maybe there's a detail I haven't noticed before. Maybe there's something new that we haven't really talked about. But for many of you who have been in church year after year on Palm Sunday, this is a very familiar story. And, and despite my, my strong desire to make this passage new and fresh for you, I realized that that there can be beauty that is discovered even in the most familiar of passages. And I truly believe that if we open ourselves up to the, the invitation of Christ, even if it's the same invitation again and again every year, that I think that can still be challenging for us. It can still be powerful to us. It can still teach us something. And we can still walk out of here changed. I really do believe that. 
I have to believe that because we come together week after week and we share familiar stories and and God continues to teach us, right? You guys have, have testified to me and I have shared with you that these stories speak to us in new ways. And so I'm just praying and leaning on you, Holy Spirit, to do that again today. Because the reality, the reality is this is the same story you've read over and over again. Nothing changes. I checked. The ending is still the same. Nothing changes. There are no details. There's not e- no different details. There's not even an overwhelming number of ways that we can interpret something different from this passage. And so before we kind of sum this up in a little bit, I want to share with you the themes that you are familiar with that you likely hear about every single year. I want to kind of go over those again with you today, because every year you likely hear that the triumphal entry is recorded in all four Gospels, right? Every year we we talk about this, this little detail as if it's like somehow new and exciting for people that it's in all four Gospels, the same story. And they're very similar. There are some minor differences, but overall these stories are very similar. There is this common theme in every telling of this story in each Gospel that here is Jesus and he is not the Jesus or the Messiah which you expected right? We have our kids with us today. I think on your, on your activity sheets that some of you may have, there's this little blurb on the activity sheets that says to take an item and to turn it upside down and to see how different it is when you take an item and you turn it upside down. And so we don't even have to demonstrate that. If you pick something up and you turn it upside down, you're going to have to really kind of strain to see what's happening there because it's upside down and, and everything is flipped on its head and that is disorienting. And, and that is how we explain what happens as Jesus comes into, into Jerusalem on this day and as he goes about his, his business doing what he does and everybody's looking and watching and they're like, wait a minute, this is not what we expected. He takes things and he flips them upside down. Every year, you are likely reminded of that on this day. Every year, you likely hear about how Jesus was not the expected Messiah. In fact, last year, we spent a great deal of time talking about all of the different kinds of Messiahs that were expected. Right? We talked about the apocalyptic Messiah, that, that people looked at Jesus and hoped that he would be an apocalyptic Messiah, that he would just tear the whole thing down and start over, that the only way there's going to be hope for us is if we tear it all down and start over. There, we talked about how many hoped for a military Messiah, that you're just going to have to come in and take force and do things yourselves yourself. If you want things to change, we're going to have to go in and take it by force. That's the only way things are going to change. And so they were hoping for a military Messiah. We talked about how they were hoping, people were hoping, some were hoping for a non-disruptive Messiah because they liked things the way they were. These were, a a part of this group tend to be the Sadducees who just didn't really want things to change. They they liked, or not the the Sadducees, the the Essenes, that's who it was, this group. But they liked how things were and they didn't want things to change. They wanted things to stay exactly as they were because for them things were working fine. And so they wanted a non-disruptive Messiah. The Pharisees were among those who 
maybe could have believed that Jesus was the Messiah, but it didn't take too long before they realized that this Jesus doesn't look like the God we have made in our minds. And so this can't be God. This can't be of God. He can't be from God because he does not look like the God we have created in our minds. And then, of course, there were those who rejected the idea of a Messiah at all. It was all nonsense. They didn't, they didn't accept any of it, and therefore they rejected it altogether. That's a common theme to explore on Palm Sunday. It's a common theme on Palm Sunday to compare Jesus' entry with the entry of a war hero, right? Because this was something that people were familiar with. A, a procession of a war victor entering into town, somebody who was, who was highly acclaimed and regarded. This was a normal thing, and it's, it's, it's something that we do where we compare Jesus' entry with that of someone else, like a war victor, a Roman war hero. You've probably heard that, that with a, a traditional uh, celebrating or homecoming or parade for a Roman war hero, there were chariots. There were horses guiding those chariots, and, and these are strong horses that are galloping strongly through town. A, a Roman triumph was the highest honor granted to people like emperors and generals in the Roman Empire. There was this, this huge processional. Have you ever been to a parade? I'm talking to kids. A parade, right? Imagine a parade. And there is this, there's this, all of this preparation. There's this huge processional led by important government officials. These are important people with important titles. And, and in this parade, this is kind of, this is a little TMI, but, but along in this parade, there were animals that were sacrificed to Roman gods that would be dragged in with these Roman war heroes. These Roman war heroes would be clothed in purple. They would be clothed in purple regalia, and they were followed by the spoils or the captives of war. Everything that they brought with them would just drag behind them in the streets, and there would be dancing, there would be music, there would be singing, there were flower petals thrown about. They may have grabbed some palm branches or some branches from trees nearby. And this was a big deal. The path was cleared and prepared ahead of time because, after all, these are important people who are being ushered in. And we often compare that scene with the scene of Jesus coming in, which we just read. The entirety of this scene, as much as we can tell, this is what happened when Jesus came in. You just read all of those details. Jesus doesn't come in with a, a grand, glorious chariot. He's not uh, clothed in all of these important, beautiful, fancy clothings that, that indicate what kind of important person he is in terms of what everyone understands and knows. He's riding on a donkey, not even, not just a donkey, but on a colt, right? Uh, compared with a horse that, that would come in strongly galloping through town, this is a, a small donkey that, that represents laboring, right? It, it represents laboring. It's not something that somebody victorious comes in on. It's a pack animal, it's a big difference here, right? And now it's important to know, I read this this week, that it wasn't unlike a prophet to ride into town on a donkey, that, that the Jewish people would have been familiar with this image. 
but it would have been really confusing for them to, to have these certain expectations with Jesus as the Messiah and then to see him coming in on a donkey, that would have been confusing because which is it? Is he just another prophet or is he the victorious Messiah that's going to take down the empire, right? And so while that wouldn't have been a foreign image, it, it would be confusing because it would communicate things about Jesus that people were not expecting. And Jesus, as he enters in, he's not, he's not headed to, he's not coming down the streets of Rome. He's headed toward Jerusalem, toward the temple, the very center of, of the religious heart of the Jewish faith. Perhaps the most significant difference between Jesus' entry and that of a Roman war victor is that Jesus did not make his entry as the victor of war, but as one who marched toward death, illustrating that the true story does not come through violence, but through humility. That's perhaps the, the starkest contrast difference of all. And then you likely are familiar with the palm branches of Palm Sunday. Something that you've likely heard about before on Palm Sunday are the palm branches, whether you see them in person doing something like what we've done today or you see them in a picture on the screen. But it's another common theme, of course, of this day, as it is called Palm Sunday. And the palms, I, I kind of did some refamiliarizing my, with my with my understanding of the importance of the palms for this day and and one of the things i read this week is that these were nationalistic symbols of judea okay and and they were also used to celebrate military victories which means as these palm branches are being gathered and used this also added to the stirring up of the hopes that this would be uh, the messianic king we've been waiting for and the one who's going to do all of the things that we hope he will do, right? Those palms would be further um, leading the people to this belief of who Jesus is. And then that leads us to another common theme, the stirring of the crowds, right? And there's a great emphasis placed on the crowds of people who would have been gathered that day. Can you just put yourself there for a moment and imagine the crowds of people that is growing as the whole city is being stirred? I, I was reminded this week that, that yes, this was expected by a lot of people. Jesus coming, a lot of people knew who Jesus was. A lot of people had been hearing things about Jesus there were expectations had by many, but there were also plenty of people in this town who still had no idea what was going on. There would have been a good number of people who would have been in their homes as if it was a normal day. And, and because of how the homes are in this city, it would have been really obvious when crowds start gathering and, and it's getting louder and louder. And what do you do when, when something is happening outside of your house that, that's not normally happening? Like if crowds are gathering in the streets and people are shouting things, you're probably going to get up and you're going to go look and see what's going on, right? And so lots of people are stirred. The whole town, the whole city is stirred and people are gathering together. This is a common theme that we explore on Palm Sunday, that the whole city is stirred until it isn't. You ever, we think about that too sometimes on Palm Sunday, how the whole city is stirred, the whole city is is 
is gathering together and many are shouting and praising and then all of a sudden it's over. Everybody goes home. Everybody goes back to their normal lives. We go from this crowd growing and people gathering and excitement is building and people are stirring until suddenly they're not. They abandon at some point. They leave. They go home. And they no longer are following this Jesus. Which leads us to this common question that is typically asked on Palm Sunday that what are we to make of the fact that crowds quickly go from Hosanna to crucify, right? This is a common question that we ask, a common theme that is explored on this day. What is it that happens between the time of of Palm Sunday when people come to the city, the whole city is stirred, people are gathering and they're shouting and they're praising. I mean, we're talking about thousands and thousands of people. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is on a cross and there's, what, two or three people gathered there other than those who are putting him there? What happens? At what point do all of these people abandon Jesus? And I'll just, I'll just acknowledge up front that maybe this is an unfair question, okay? It's one that I was wrestling with this week. Maybe it's unfair. You have permission to tell me later if this was not a fair question. But I wonder if it's anything like, maybe it's not exactly the same, but I wonder if it's anything like us coming into, into this building and praising Jesus and even saying, Hosanna in the highest! Christ be magnified. And then we leave and someone cuts us off on the road and we shout other things. We're not shouting Hosanna. We're shouting other things that disparage this person who's just offended us in such a way. I wonder if it's the same. Maybe this is totally unfair. But I wonder if it's anything like us coming in here and we're waving our palm branches, but then tomorrow somebody's going to say something to us that's going to hurt our feelings and it's going to offend us and we're going to say something really ugly and rude back to them because that just feels like the right thing to do in that moment. See how quickly we abandon our praises and our cries? Is that fair? Maybe that's not fair. But I do think about how in our own life, it's so easy to go from one moment to the next, right? We, we are shouting our praises, we're praising Jesus, and then we leave here and we get frustrated at somebody who has offended us or who has done something to us or who is just not living up to our expectations. And suddenly we look nothing like this Jesus that we just gathered to praise and worship. Fair or unfair? I don't know. But why? Why does this happen? Why did the crowds abandon? At what point? I was really struck with this question this week, and this is kind of where where we're going to sit for just a few more moments. At what point did everyone leave? At what point did larger clumps of the crowd leave? Where are we at in this story? At what point would we have said, okay, just kidding, I'm out. Like, I thought this was something I could get behind. I thought this Jesus was going to be something special. But at this point, like, I'm out. I'm done. At what point would we have abandoned? At what point did all of these people leave and abandon Jesus? Was it the moment that he entered into the city and went straight to the temple and started flipping over tables? 
we talked about this with our youth group a few weeks ago, that, that what would it be like if you saw Jesus coming in on a donkey and then all of a sudden he's turning over tables and it was really interesting to hear their responses. They would be like, whoa, whoa, Jesus, calm down. Don't get so excited. It's okay. And, and they would be confused and they were wondering, why does he do that? But is that when he loses people? Because he's not flipping over tables because this is the start of taking down the Roman Empire. He's flipping over tables because there are great injustices that are happening in his father's house. People who come in the name of God are taking advantage and ripping off poor people who are just coming to worship God. Maybe that's when he loses. I bet that probably got rid of a big chunk of the crowd, wouldn't you say? At what point did they abandon? Is it when Jesus starts healing people and and cleansing people who were considered outsiders, who were considered unworthy, who were not a part of our group? Children, you might like this one, kids. You might appreciate this one. Maybe there are a bunch of crowds who leave Jesus because at one point in this story, there are children who are running around the temple. We read words of children who are running around the temple and they're praising God and they are now being hushed by the important people of the temple. Have you ever been hushed in church, children, or like you're running around the church building and someone says, stop running in the church building. Don't climb on that. Get down from there. And sometimes you feel like you just have to sit there and and not do anything. That's kind of what was happening at one point. And, and uh, the kids are, are praising God and they're being loud and they're probably not doing it in the right exact way and they're probably making it a little bit awkward and they're just, you know, how kids are. You guys have your own way of doing things and then us adults have to come and, and we have to ruin it, right? We say, that's not the way you do that. You're too loud. You're too colorful. You're too excited. You need to calm down a little bit. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You need to position yourselves in a way that you learn from these children because they Theirs is the kingdom of God, and anyone who wants to see me has to see me through the eyes of these children. And he takes children who were at the bottom of society, like the children couldn't produce anything or participate in a way that was helpful, and so they were at the bottom, right? And then Jesus comes and he elevates children and says, no, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See me through their eyes. Maybe that's when Jesus lost people. Maybe uh, some abandoned Jesus when they were told that they think they're going to be at the heavenly banquet, but they're actually going to be outside of the heavenly banquet. And all of those that they've left outside this whole time are going to be invited to come and participate in the heavenly banquet. That would probably dis- be disturbing for some people. Maybe it was when Jesus, when asked a very important question about taxes and money, maybe it's when he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Maybe that's when people took off. Maybe it's the moment that Jesus looks over out at Jerusalem and begins to weep over this lost city. Do you think some people who are expecting this strong, militant warrior king When they see Jesus crying, literally weeping, that's probably when they're like, yeah, that's going to be a no for me because I'm not interested in following a king who cries over a city. Maybe that's when he lost people. He's weeping over the sins of Jerusalem. Maybe it's when he says that this temple is going to be destroyed. 
Maybe he lost people when he gets up to wash the feet of his disciples and tells them that this is what it looks like to love and to serve. Maybe they, they took off when he says those who exalt themselves are going to be humbled and brought down and those who humble themselves are going to be lifted or exalted. Maybe that's what turned people away. Maybe even for the disciples, it was when Jesus said, hey, by the way, the world is really not going to like you. And they're going to really question everything that you do. And you're not going to have a place there. Maybe that's when some of them turned away. The point is, we go from the shouts and the praises of Palm Sunday to the cross. And suddenly there are only a handful of people left at the cross with Jesus. And while, yes, this is called Palm Sunday, it's also called Passion Sunday. And so, therefore, it's appropriate for us to consider the themes of Hosanna and Crucify. And it's another common question that is asked on this day, which is it that we cry out? Which one of those do we cry out? And, And preachers always caution their congregations from automatically assuming that you would have been one of the few left. And maybe that's what's so humbling about this week, is recognizing that all of us, myself included, that all of us were among those who would abandon. Right? You can like, we like to think that maybe we wouldn't have been, but I think if we see ourselves and we know ourselves, we know how easy it would have been to stick it out until the very end. And that we easily are among the crowd that leaves. And maybe that's why this week is so humbling, or at least it should be so humbling. As I said earlier, this is the beginning of. Holy Week, which is a sacred week. It's a humbling week that is rich with meaning. And my challenge for you today is to really walk slowly with Jesus throughout this week. That's my challenge for you on this Palm Sunday when I haven't, I know I have not successfully brought anything new and earth shattering before you today other than a strong cry for you to walk slowly with this, walk slowly with Jesus through this week and really take in all that it means. And we're, we're giving you some opportunities to do that, to come here and do that. Let me just take this opportunity to plug in our Wednesday Seder service. It's going to be different. And it's going to be something that maybe you just don't even know what to expect. But I am telling you, it's going to bless you. If you're able to come Wednesday at 630, we need to know. So sign up if you plan to be here. We need to plan ahead. But but I hope that you'll be able to come and you'll be able to participate in this service that is helping us to see Jesus through a new and different lens. And then again on Good Friday, I hope you will make plans to gather here for our Good Friday service at 6.30 where, where we come and we, we purposefully create an atmosphere that is one of mourning, that is one of, of the reality, of the, the grim reality of the cross. 
And we're invited to just kind of sit in that tension where we don't like to be. We, we want to rush straight from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, am I right? Because that's easy and celebratory and we like those things. It's a lot more difficult to walk slowly through the tensions of the week as the week gets kind of, you know, grows more and more grim as it goes on. But then Sunday morning, you're going to be invited back here again at 9.30 to celebrate Easter Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And we're going to do that with a, a, a gathering together for an Easter brunch. Don't forget to sign up so that we know who all's bringing food for that. Sign up for that Easter brunch. Let us know if you're bringing food. And we're going to gather and celebrate. But let's not be tempted to rush from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. The invitation today is to pause and to walk slowly through Holy Week. I heard something this week that kind of stopped me in my tracks. I was listening to a podcast, and one of the podcast hosts quoted a pastor. Her name is Sarah Job, and, and they quoted her saying this, that all year long, all year long, every single day, Jesus walks with us right? All year long, every day, Jesus walks with us. It's the hope that we have that Jesus walks with us. But on Holy Week, we walk with Jesus. On Holy Week, we intentionally walk with Jesus to the cross. And it's difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's not very glamorous. It's not glamorous at all. But we walk with Jesus to the cross on Holy Week. I want to encourage you to allow Jesus' story to be the story that you enter into this week and the story where you linger a little while longer. And I trust that, that as we do that, as we lean into what this week is, I trust that, that we will find ourselves within this story. I'm going to ask the praise team to come, and we're going to close with a song as we normally do, and then we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. But as they're coming, I just want to say that I think it can be really easy for Christians. This is another one of those those things that, that's kind of hard for us to acknowledge, but I think it's really easy for us to assume that that God's story somehow has to fit into ours, right? Like, I got to figure out how to make this Christianity thing fit into my life. Like, how does this whole following Jesus thing fit into my life, into the way I want it to fit and how I want it to look? And, and it's got to be just right. And if it's just right, then I'll make it work. But really, what we're invited to do is to find ourselves within Christ's story. We're invited to find ourselves within God's story, not figure out how he fits into ours. We find our place in his story. And so we're going to sing this song and, and the, the words that stood out to me as I prepared this week from this song and, and the invitation for you as we sing this song is to open yourself up to Jesus and to open yourself up to the reality that maybe probably you wouldn't have been one of the ones to make it all the way to the cross. And maybe the invitation is for us to acknowledge the ways that we so quickly abandon him even today. When we sing our praises and when we shout our praises and then we leave and then we, we don't look so much like this Jesus who we just praised. 
As you, as you think about these things and as you sing this song, there's those words that say, heal my heart and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. Make this your prayer. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Make this your cry to break our hearts for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. I didn't mean to steal your guys' thunder, just an invitation. So God, we, we come before you as we reflect on this day and all of the familiar themes of this day. And while it's familiar and it's easy to, to feel like this story doesn't have anything left to offer us, God, I pray that you would just come in and do what you do, flip things upside down. Show us, God, that that there is still a challenge here for us today. God, would you just continue to speak to our hearts as we open ourselves up before you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand with us if you're able, if you would like, as we sing. Take a posture of worship, whatever that looks like for you. We don't have to rush into this song. Just quiet your heart. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet you right where you are. I see a near revival. 
seated. And as we prepare to receive communion this morning, as we prepare our hearts for communion, um, in just a moment, you'll be invited to come. Um, we can go ahead and turn those lights on. And Greg Parcell, could I have you uh, dismiss the rose this morning? I just now realized that Connie and Greg, our lovely ushers who help us with communion, are not here. So if I could have you guys do that, that would be really great. But as we prepare for a time of, of receiving communion together, um, there are a lot of things that we could say about receiving communion, but this morning I, I want us to come to the table with an open heart to receive uh, more of Christ. And in just a few moments, you're going to be invited to come, and you will be invited to come and to receive, and you'll take your elements back to your seat, and you'll hold on to them, and so we can all receive together. But as you do, I want you to today think about the fact that you are holding tangible grace. 
When we come to the table to receive communion, it's, it's reminders that this is grace that we can touch and feel and taste. And we can hold on to these elements. And as we hold on to them, and it's not the, the bread or the juice that is so powerful, and many of you would say, amen. But it's just the fact that we're holding on to tangible grace. These things have been given to us for us to remember all that Christ has done, certainly, right? As we hold the bread and the juice and we reflect, as Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, we reflect on, on all that Jesus has done. But we're also reminded that with these gifts of grace, that we are receiving more of him. And that as, as we receive more of him, as he makes himself known in the mysterious way as he does, we are filled with hope. We are filled with hope that he continues to make us new. He continues to work within us to make us look more like him. And as we leave this place, we are then able to go and to pour ourselves out for the sake of others. And so that's the beauty of communion. One of those beautiful aspects of communion that I hope that you will think about today. And so first, as, as always, Bo, I'm going to ask you to come. And um, I'm going to bring, if anyone is not able to get up and to come forward, lift up your hand and I will come and meet you at your seat. And after they have been, um, after they are served, then ushers, you can dismiss the rest of the rows.
Holy God, we thank you for inviting us to your table. Jesus, we thank you for inviting each one of us to your table. And as we think about Holy Week, particularly Thursday, as we typically celebrate or remember your supper with your disciples, which you gave them this new command to love one another, as you have loved them, we remember, and it always stands out to me, that Judas was at this table. And even though you knew and declared that Judas would betray you, you allowed him to receive your grace. And we all can identify with just this incredible need of your grace and and the incredible reminder of how unworthy we are to receive these gifts. 
And so it makes us all the more grateful. So we thank you, God, for what these gifts mean and what they represent today. Would you bless these elements to our body and help our bodies to be a blessing to you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, on the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And every time you take and eat, even now, do so in remembrance of me. So friends, would you take and eat and be thankful. After supper, Jesus took the cup. He said to his disciples, this cup is the blood of the new covenant that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And every time you take and drink, even now, remember me. So friends, take and drink and be thankful. Amen. I'm going to sing doxology this morning. God from whom all blessings flow, praise him all creatures here below, praise him above ye heavenly said. Amen. Friends, before you go, I do want to remind you of all the events coming up this week. Sign up if you haven't already. I know it's painful to have to remind you of this as we leave in this tone this morning, but I also want to let you know that in two weeks from today, we will be having our church board elections, and so uh, just be mindful of that for, for voting church members. That'll be in two weeks, okay? But friends, I pray that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would go and receive him this week. Would you walk slowly with your Lord this week? We look forward to seeing you throughout the week. Go in his grace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.